Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's a vibe with five, vibe with five, and you already know what it is. It's a vibe with five, vibe with five, and you already know what it is. Vibe with five, vibe with five, and you already know what it is. It's a vibe with five, vibe with five, and you already know this. Darren Bent, goal scoring machine. Um, I'm putting it out there. Yes, he played for Spurs, but he's an Arsenal fan at heart. <laughs> he's an Arsenal fan at heart. So don't worry, man. This is vibe with five, man. We don't we don't, we don't cut corners around here. Yes. Yo. Just before we start, can I just say something? Darren Bent, centre forward, 571 appearances, 218 goals. That's it. Bad man. <laughs> yeah, let's read out the stats. Premier League stats, 276 appearances, 106 goals, 15 assists. Best Premier League se- season uh, under Sa- Sunderland, 09-2010 uh, season, 38 appearances, 24 goals. Who's uh, for them? Who was Gaffer then? Steve Bruce. Nice. Yeah, Steve Decent, isn't it? Like, I bet you couldn't believe it, innit? Like, just give the ball to Darren. Nah, he made it yeah. simple. He just said, Benty, where, where, was you, where did you have your best spell? Uh, listen, I, I loved my time at Charlton because that was kind of new to me. Do you know what I mean? When you, you first step into the Premier League properly because I'd been there with Ipswich but I was a young kid, 17, made my debut. Kerb, no, that Kerbishley was Charlton, yeah. George mm. Burley was Ipswich. But I loved my time at uh, Sunderland was nice. But you know what? I had three months with Gerard Houllier at Villa and he was probably the best that tactician manager I ever worked with. And I, I loved it. But obviously, sadly, he he got ill and then he, he passed away. But that three months at Villa, I absolutely loved it. Rio, you said you had a little story you said about England when it came to Darren Bent about goal scoring. We was talking in the office the other day. Yeah, before we, before we go back down memory lane and to start at Ipswich, I, I, the lads were saying to me, what's Benty like? And I said, you know what? The best way to explain him, yeah, is that he didn't care about nothing but scoring goals. I remember I said to you in training, like, Benny, man, sometimes you've got to like, come short and like get involved in the play. He went, Reed, just want to bang goals, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you were a wonder kid for me on Championship Manager. I used to get you mad early, build you up. You know, you were the guys for me. You and Jermaine Defoe, mm. I wanted to see success and you gave it. Can you tell us a bit how your career started? Were you always like this sort of wonder kid when you were coming up? Uh, no, I got to Ipswich quite late, actually. I got there at 14. And obviously a lot of kids now get to academies at, what, nine years old. Um, and it was just one of them where I didn't have to work for that long. Like, I've obviously played football my whole life. But when you go to an academy at 14 and you've got guys that, that have been there from nine, a lot can go wrong between the ages of nine and 16. Yeah. So I was pretty much in the academy for two years before I got into the first team. So it was just hard work. When I, once I got to that, that the Ipswich Town, which was a fantastic academy, because I'd, I'd looked at a few academies, and I always remember that Ipswich Town's motto was, if you're good enough, you're old enough. So Kieran Dower had come through there, Titus, Richard Wright, James Gocroft. And I remember having a conversation with George Burley and he said, it's not, for, it's not for me to get you ready to play. If you're 16 years old and I'm calling upon you now, it's because I think you're ready to play. That's down to you. So for me, it was, it was the perfect club for me to, to start with. Man, so which other clubs were you flirting with or interested at? So when my mum and dad split up when I was 11, um, I would have been to West Ham to, to chat to West Ham and they were like, listen, we want you to come here. 
But I was like, listen, I'm, I'm moving up the road. I'm going to, to Cambridge here. So then I went to Ipswich, which is a catchment area. There was Norwich, Nottingham Forest weren't too far away. But for whatever reason, I went and had a look at Ipswich and it just felt right. It felt like the right decision for me. Um, and from day one, they were fantastic with me, which is why I'm still really like, heavily linked to the club. I still go back there, still speak to some of the coaches, chat to the kids. But yeah, for me, Ipswich Town was the perfect landing spot. West Ham had some real <laughs> talent coming through at that wow. time as well. Though. Seriously, you, you, you were training with the first team at 16 years old and then you made your debut at 17, which is like crazy young. But a lot of kids kind of get the opportunity to train with the first team and, and stuff. What, what was different in you that enabled you to stay there and to keep elevating yourself through into that first team and then eventually getting your first team call up? Do you know what? It was one of them, Ree, where the manager, my academy manager said to me, listen, next year, you're not going to be with us. You're going to be with the first team. So I can remember that pre-season when I went away, I didn't go on holiday. Um, and I remember just running, running every single, every single day, miles upon miles in the gym, run, run, run. So then when I came back for that next pre-season, because I knew I was going to be in the first team, I was just blowing past the first team Jeez. to the point they were getting angry because, <laughs> you know, it's like if you're the senior player and you've got the youngsters just running past you, they get the hump. But we didn't care. It was me, Darren Ambrose and one other. But we, the, all the fitness tests just running, running, running to the point where we made it impossible for the manager to then go, oh, we can't leave them out. He had to leave out some of the other players because these guys have come back in unbelievable shape. How can I just let, let them go back to the youth team? So from that mo moment, every single preseason, I worked hard, tried to get better and better to the point where like, I became one of the main players in the team, even at a young age, like 17. So you, you break through at 17 years old. Uh, what was it? What was your first game again? My debut, I think, was Helsingborg in the UEFA Cup. I mean, they don't even call it that anymore. They call it the Europa League, but it was the UEFA Cup. Uh, <laughs> and it was just one of them where it was, I'd been on the bench so many times that season and eventually put me on and it was, that was incredible. My first Premier League game was was Bolton, but Helsingborg in the UEFA Cup was, was fantastic. What was the big difference between playing in the first team and playing like youth team for you when you immediately find, went in there? Do you know what? Everyone was just better. Everyone just thought really quickly. Like in the youth team, sometimes you get obviously players and and defenders that are a little bit slow, a little bit intimidated by you because obviously you've got a bit of a reputation now in the youth team where people go, oh, we're playing Ipswich. They've got Darren Bent. He plays for England youths. He just won the Victory Shield. So they're a little bit intimidated. So you don't even got to play well to, to do your damage. But when I got to the first team, it's like no one shows you any respect until you kind of earn it. Like you play against some of these, these senior pros and they're like, well, I don't care about this young kid. I'm going to show him. But it's only when you start scoring goals where it starts to people go, okay, he, he, we can't just we can't just walk all over him. We're going to have to show him a little bit more respect. So I kind of felt like you had to earn it when you turned into a pro rather than the youth team. You could coast if you wanted to, but it was one of them where you kind of made your own luck. Is there any of our young people that are listening and watching, just for them, today's player in the Premier League, who would you say is the most similar to a Darren Bent? That's a good question. Mm. Are you asking me this question, yeah? Well, that's real asking you. Um, when I look at look, probably the way that I played and the way that centre forwards play nowadays, the only one I can think of that played exactly how I wanted to play is Jamie Vardy. He's the only one because he wants to run in behind all the time. He doesn't really want to come to feet. He knows his strengths. Um, he can do it. But if you look how lethal he is when he's running in behind, he, he's unstoppable. And, and I think that's why he's done so well for so long because the game's changed. All centre forwards want to come off. They want to link play. They want to look good. And they're not really worried about scoring goals. Like, certainly in my era, if I scored 10 goals and had 10 assists, I think that was a rubbish season. Wow. I, th I think that's poor. That's not what I'm there to do. I'm there to score goals. Whereas nowadays, I think a lot of centre forwards maybe hide behind stats and go, mm. oh, I've got 10 goals, 10 assists. I'm having a fantastic season. Where Jeremy Vardy's a throwback. If he hasn't got his 15 to 20 goals, 
he doesn't think he's had a good season. Do you think that's a, a consequence of maybe going to like the forward three where the wingers now aren't providing for you, but they're providing for themselves as well? Yeah, 100%. Because I, I played with wide men that wanted to cross the ball, that wanted to get the assists. Whereas now they're not they're not wide men anymore, they're, they're forwards. So you've got the likes of Salah and obviously Rashford plays out there. There's, a, there's an emphasis on these guys now to get their 15 to 20 goals as well. They're not really looking to get assists either. They can do it, but a lot of their assists as well, unless you're a, a real creative player like a Grealish, you look at a lot of Salah's assists, they're like missed hit shots or, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or it'll, it'll pass it if, he, if there's no other option to shoot, then he'll pass it. Whereas certainly when I played, it was just about getting the ball out your feet, putting it in the box, trying to create something. Um, so you have an incredible time at Ipswich. It's your boyhood club. Mm -hmm. And then... Charlton come, they swoop you up for what sounds mad, Rio. Do you know what the fee was for a move into Charlton? Can you guess, Rio? No. In it today's mad, world. It seems <laughs> mad that Charlton was a Premier League team. Yeah. 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 They fell off hard. You know? 2.5 million. million pounds. Can you imagine that? Um, I remember when I, I played a pre-season game for Charlton, um, 2.5 million, and people were going... That's a lot of money. You've got to justify it. And at yeah. the time I'm thinking, wow, 2.5 million. I've got to do something. But if, if you 2.5 million now, does it get you nothing? Mate, Absolutely nothing. It doesn't get you an academy player now. No, no not at but all. It's true, isn't it? Some of these academy players are going for way more. Yeah. But yeah, like you 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 went there and and what was the first thing that you saw about Charlton that made you, made you think, oh, I'm at the right club here? It was similar to Ipswich okay. in terms of size of the club. I know Ipswich have got obviously that European history behind them winning the, the UEFA Cup and stuff, but mm -hmm. similar size club. Um, South London as well, which is where I was, I was from, which helped. Uh, and it was just a good manager as well. Like Alan Kerbishley pretty much spoke to me two days after we lost the playoff semi-final against West Ham. And just like, listen, I want you to come to this football club. I'm not buying you to kind of make up the numbers. I'm buying you to play. So day one, you're going to be playing. I don't care what happens pre-season. This very first game in the Premier League, you're going to be playing. And for a centre forward, that's important because you need a manager that's going to kind of put his arm around you and go, I'm putting all my belief in you. So that for me was all I needed to hear again. And great club. I knew Danny Murphy as well um, from before. There was a few Ipswich connections, Matt Holland, Herman O'Reilly, Ambrose. That's us three that had been with me a couple of seasons before mm -hmm. playing at Ipswich. So it all helped me to settle in. And then you, you go on and you bang in a couple on your debut, mm. uh, not a bad start. Immediately a fan's favourite. Yeah, it was had a really good pre-season as well. I scored a few in pre-season and then the two against Sunderland uh, for Charlton was was a fantastic. But then obviously what happened after that, getting a phone call that I was in the England squad, that's when it was, that first kind of six months was just like, what is going on here at Charlton? Because I'd been in the under-21s a lot and then all of a sudden I get the phone call from Sven, oh, you in the first team. I thought someone was winding me up <laughs> at first. I said, Good one. I hung up the phone. And it was, uh, I can't remember, I think it was Michelle was the, the secretary and she was like, like hi Darren. It, no, it's Michelle. You're in the squad. And then obviously I turn up and see people like Rio and all these boys and it's just like all of a sudden, okay. Not that it got real, but all of a sudden you get to a level where you're like, okay, wow, I better step it up. So what's the difference? Sorry. Oh, I mean, when, you, when you're playing with guys like Rio and Bex was in the squad then and Defoe's and Lamps, blah, blah, Gerard, like coming from Ipswich, you see these guys on TV. Do you know what I mean? Like we're in the championship. You only see these guys on the TV. So then when all of a sudden you're kind of thrown into it, I remember every single night <laughs> of that England squad preparing like it was a game the next day, man, because I watched possession. I watched the way the game was played. And I said, if I don't get up to that level in training, the boys are going to be on me. So every single night I'm preparing, eating the right foods, getting the right sleep, making sure when I wake up, I'm ready to go because that was the level and the standard that it was at. Do you remember him in training in them days, Rio? 
Yeah, I remember. I just remember Benny just wanted to score, man. That's it. I remember you wanted to finish. I, I used to, I used to, I could see like the the desperation. Like he's just a pure goal scorer, and invariably when he got through, bro, he hit the target and scored. So I watched deep, like things like that. I don't know if Benny would even remember. I used to always watch shooting after, and I'd watch the strikers, and I'd like sometimes I'd commentate and comment and stuff. But I'd always watch to see, especially the new guys come in, and. Out of the new players that used to come in, you integrated quite quick. Because I remember some players used to say it's difficult, but you seemed like you kind of got involved quite quick, Benny. Do you know what I did? And I, do you know what I think helped me as well? Because if you look at back then, you look at, obviously, there was a fair few United players in there, Chelsea, Arsenal. There was these kind of groups of, obviously, top quality players. And me coming from Charlton, there was only me and Luke Young. But I knew Kieran Richardson. I knew Anton, obviously, from the under-21s and youth football. So when I got into that first senior squad, Kieran Richardson was in there. So obviously he helped me kind of introduce me to the guys like Rio and Ashley Cole and all these diff all these different these different guys that kind of like okay that's helped me and obviously Luke Young as well been in the squad so I felt like for me I couldn't stick to one group of people I had to kind of move around because you've got to figure out where you fit in like it's alright like the Man United boys Chelsea boys and all these guys but I'm me and Luke Young the only ones from Charlton so we've kind of got to just figure out where we fit in what was the situation like? Because we've heard a few times, Rio's spoken about it quite a few times, and that's something that Southgate has probably sorted out now where it isn't that big sort of click. Was it as obvious as people make out? Like there was a Chelsea table, a Liverpool table, a United table? So I don't know if it was as obvious as that where it was really as clicky as, as people has made it out, like it was they were there, they were there, because as Rio alluded to at the top when we talked about SOCOM on the PSP, we all used to play together. Like there'll be people from Chelsea, Man United, very, I was at Charlton, various clubs. But I, I, I kind of saw it more on the training pitch where you'd go, okay, they'd kind of stick together. They'd kind of stick together. So it was, it wasn't cookie as such, but it, again, it was just where do, where do I fit in? But to be fair, the guys were always great with me, kind of just brought me into the, the equation because I'm nervous. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm playing for Charlton, these guys are playing for United, Chelsea, Chelsea, the biggest clubs in the world. Do you know Arsenal. what I mean? Arsenal. So because they brought me in, that kind of helped me kind of settle down a little bit. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna bring it back to you in a second, innit? But I, I just find all of this interesting, especially when you're talking about these elite players that you're mm. playing with. You got Scolzi, you Stop got it. you got Gerard, you got Lamps. Who's impressing you the most in there and why? <sighs> Do you know what? Listen, don't don't give us political Darren Ben. Like, no, oh, no. No, just for, for me, I, I don't think I've, I can't remember ever being in the squad with Scholes. Okay. But Steven Gerrard was, oh my goodness, he was the one where I looked at and went, what is going on here? This guy was everywhere, running up and down, 100 miles an hour. Chasing his touch. <laughs> <laughs> Smashing into tackles. And I'm thinking, this is training. Like, is this how I'm supposed to train? But I mean, I, I, I did, uh, I never really got the opportunity to watch Scolzi because I don't think I was in, I think I might have missed him. But Lamps in front of the goal for a midfield player, my goodness, hit the target every single time. Bang, 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 repetitive. But Gerrard, as I said, he was the one that really, yeah, anyway, let's move on. The, <laughs> did you feel like you leveled up when you went into England training? Did you feel like there was an extra sort of gear needed? Yeah, you had to because it was, you wouldn't keep up. And, that, and that's the truth. Trying to, trying to hang with these guys, if you dropped off a little bit, even, even them at, say, 80%, I still have to, you still have to get up there because at any given moment, you can get left behind. So. Is he giving you shit as well? Like, if you take a bad touch, just in Nah, do you know what? Rhea was always all right with me, to be fair. He never gave me any kind of stick or anything. If anything, he always tried to help me. Do you know what I mean? And I've said that before, but you just knew in yourself that, and you know what it's like. I've been in teams where you've got one player in your team that keeps giving the ball away and you're having to keep running around chasing it. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not saying anything, but I'm thinking I'm not giving him the ball anymore. And I didn't ever want to be in that situation. So I just thought every day, work hard, try and get up to that level. Benny, who, who, who are the players that you'd come with and you thought, you know what? 
I expected a bit more, you know. <laughs> <laughs> See, these are the questions. Not who's better out of this guy. Like, who did you go? Mm, I thought he was a player. You're not. Do you know what? There was no one in that initial England squad where I thought, I thought we'd be better than that. But there were players on the reverse where I go, oh my goodness, I didn't know you was that good. Do you know what I mean? So Scott Parker was another one. I thought, oh, I weren't sure. Is he any good? And then I saw him up live in training. And I went, oh my goodness. He is Michael Carrick, another one. You know, you watch Michael Carrick. A lot of people say, oh, he just passed it sideways backwards. When I saw him in training, I thought, oh my goodness, this guy's got way too much. Like people don't know what they're talking about because mm. he's passing. Like every team nowadays would love a Michael Carrick in their team. That defensive midfield player, yeah. breaking lines of his passes. He was another one. I just thought, he's levels above everyone. Carrick was sick. Yeah, but he hardly played. Hardly Pedro, played. Hardly played. Yeah. Like, and that's on England crazy. managers. Speaking of England managers and shit decisions, um, <laughs> 2006 World Cup. Oh, people focus on Defoe not going, but yeah. you had a hell of a season that season mm. as well. They're How many goals did you 18, 22 in total. <laughs> what England striker now is even scoring 18 goals mm. as, um, and not even getting considered for the squad? I guess Ivan Tony, different reasons. Right? <laughs> How was the process sort of managed with like, hey, you're not going, but there's a child that we're going to take instead? Do you know what? I, I, <laughs> it was one of them where I'm sitting in my mum's front room and you know, like during the day, which I think is quite bad actually, I don't know how it gets out, but you know, it, Sky Sports News, it comes breaking, then it like so-and-so is not going to be in a squad, so-and-so. So I'm sitting there in my mum's front room watching TV and she's like, have you heard anything yet? And I'm like, no, not yet. Uh, and then it comes up on the bottom of the screen, like we're hearing that Theo Walcott's going to be included and Darren Bent and Jermaine Defoe aren't. I'm thinking, well, no one's, no one's told me, but my mum's like, just don't worry about it. It could be just speculation. And obviously the phone rings and it's Capella, uh, Sven. And he's just like, oh, hi, Darren, you're right. You've had a great season, but on this occasion, we're not going to take you. Um, but listen, keep working, keep trying hard, and hopefully you'll be in the next one. What was his, what was his yeah, I'll be in the next 2006 World Cup, mate. Well, yeah, don't worry about it. Wait, wait, what was his explanation for it? Did he actually say, you know, because of X, Y, and Z, like, and, and after that, who's calling you? Who's calling you to comfort you? Or who's, what's going on after that? Do you know what? No no one, I mean, obviously I had my friends and my family that kind of, my inner circle that kind of helped me. But no, he just basically said to me, literally, hi, Darren, how you doing? You've had a great season, but unfortunately I'm not going to take you to the World Cup. Keep working hard uh, and I'll see you soon. That was it, man. Conf wow. Conversation lasted about 15 hey, Rio, seconds. you didn't ring him. Rio, you didn't ring Darren, no. Wow, I didn't know it was like that. I thought you were let you down like. No, but you know also obviously when you when you fast forward to 2010, yeah. when I scored the 25 of Sunderland and didn't go, Rio messaged me then and just said, "Oh, like, listen, I thought you did enough to get in the squad, so we did after 2010." Uh, you got a good one here. The guy's backing you. Once what what he does anyway. <laughs> World Cup season, I'm having it. <laughs> nah, but you know, but it's 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 crazy because obviously you you do what you do at Charlton. Like 18 goals first season in the Premier League, 13 the following. You did get relegated and stuff mm. like that. But let's fast forward to Tottenham, 16.5 million pounds. Yeah. Wait, Boom. Wait, wait, yeah. How did you end up signing for Tottenham as an Arsenal fan? And how much of a conflict was that? Like, did you have to go and like apologize to family? Like, how'd that work? No, because my, my family's quite mixed. My dad's diehard Chelsea season ticket holder has been for years, since the 80s, probably. Um, my mum had a little soft spot for Liverpool, which is bizarre. Um, I've got uncles out of Tottenham, like, so it's all over the place. Um, it was just one of them where I, I came back. I knew they were interested in me from quite early. Martin Yo had been trying to speak to me while I was at Charlton. I got injured in the January and then missed pretty much three or four months towards the end of the season. And unfortunately, as Joel said there, we went down. But I remember the, the tough bit for me was, is that when we went down, Spurs were in Martin Yo, but Alan Kerb actually got the job at West Ham. And obviously me and Kerbs are like that. You know, obviously I'd done really well from before he left Charlton. And he said to me, listen, just come back from your holidays early, come straight to Upton Park, 
Um, we'll speak about it and we'll try and get a deal done. Like, and I was like, okay. So I kind of flew back from Miami early, which hurt me, by the way. <laughs> I was going to say, what was that like? <laughs> which <Yeah>. hurt me. Just <laughs> 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 smiling. He's like, yeah, I know what Miami was like. Yeah. So I flew back early. That uh, went straight to Upton Park. Was tired. My dad met me there. Sat down with Alan Kerbishy and he's like, listen, Benny, I want you to sign for West Ham. You know me. You know you're going to play. Um, you know the, the relationship that we've got. You know I'll always give you time. And he was fantastic. But the, what put me off was, I can't remember his name, the little bald-headed fella. Can you remember him? Who, they, when West Ham had that mad period where they were paying loads of money, the Icelandic owner, Magnuson, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. him, he was he was what put me off. Because I got there and I was chatting to Curbs and he almost said, right, are you ready to sign? I went, well, hold on a second, dear. Like, let me yeah. go away. I've just come off a plane. Let me think about it. And he went, well, listen, if you don't sign now, you're not signing for West Ham Football Club. I went, well, okay, fair enough. I, I won't. So I said, listen, yeah. Curbs, it's nothing to do with me or you, yeah. but I've just come off a plane. Like, give me time to think about it. And he's saying, if I don't sign now, then it's, it's done. Even my agent was saying, we don't do business like this. Mm. So in the end, I left. And Curbs, what, did, what did Adam say? Curbs was, was gutted because he was like, well, like, just give him, he was trying to say to him, give him the night, just let him think about it. And the mm. guy was like, nope, if he does it now or he doesn't do it, I know that he could go to Tottenham. I know they're in for him. I know he's going to sign for Tottenham. So I'm going to now if you tell me it's now or never, isn't it? Mm. Exactly. So then I, I left and then I, I thought about it and I thought, anyway, I can't go to, I, I couldn't at that time, Tottenham to finish fifth. I just thought for my progression that I had to go to Tottenham over West Ham. At but that were you actually, cons like, obviously you went there to be polite and stuff, but would you have signed for West Ham? Realistic. It's, a, it's a difficult one because I knew Kerbishly. He would he would have been the only reason why I would have signed because of our relationship. And I, I know he can get the best out of me. But when I looked at, in terms of career and where Spurs were at the time, finishing fifth, mm. I just thought, there's no one on the planet. So many people are going to ask so many questions of my ambition if I go to West Ham at mm. that particular time who just avoided relegation yeah. over Tottenham. And and on top of that, you had, I think Robbie Keane had gone by then, isn't it? So there was like a, there yeah. was a space basically. Yeah. Like when he just Keane went to Liverpool. Defoe, I think. Both, at I Tottenham? Remember. Yeah. No, no, at Tottenham, when I first went to Tottenham, they had yeah. Keane, Bourbon and Defoe. Oh, damn. So, so you I played did, with all of them? So all of them. So then I went there Ooh. thinking, well, do you know what? If I go there, even if things don't work out, I'm going to become a better player because working with these guys every day, Ledley King and these <laughs> players, I'm going to become better by trying to challenge, trying to get in front of Berbatov. <laughs> Four different strikers in, in every sense, I imagine. What did striker sessions look like? What was a finishing mm. drill like with that? Oh, it's competitive. <laughs> competitive. Out of all of us four. You could have sold tickets for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, out of us four, the only one who didn't really care too much about the finishing sessions with Berbatov. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, he wasn't really... He was just doing kick-ups. Yeah, like, he was a bit of a strange character. Didn't really <laughs> get involved in all that. Like, listen, technically, he is... I've obviously Rio played with him. Unbelievable. But when we do finish it in little competitions, he didn't really want to get involved. He kind of just stood to the side and just left me, Kino, and, and Defoe. I mean, Defoe is competitive as it gets, yeah. you know what I mean? He's trying to take, keep his heads off. But yeah. it, was, it, was a, it, was a good, it was a good group to be involved in. As you know, in this situation, like, I'm talking about strikers now. You had four of you at one club. I don't think there's that depth anywhere in the Premier League now. Uh, maybe Liverpool have it, right? But and, and City maybe. But like, just to compare eras, your generation of strikers versus today's, what is a better generation of strikers? In terms of actual centre forwards, I'd probably say my era is better because there was simply more of them. Centre forwards. When you look now and you're, you're scratching around, you're, you're trying to say, well, City have obviously got one, Kane. Ivan Tony this season, but for, for large spells, it's been, and Vardy, of course, there were teams that were going without, like Brighton have, didn't really have one. I know they've got Welbeck, but he's kind of in and out. I would say in terms of actual strikers, centre forwards, number nines, 
I think my era, there was loads, absolutely loads. Of, every team had two, two or three. Strikers ain't even calling themselves strikers no more. They're no. like, no, 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 I'm a forward. No, 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 I'm a winger. Like, it's it, like go. they're taking the pressure off themselves and, and all that. Rio, I want to ask you. You got Isak, you got um, Watkins, Ings. No, but the quality's different though, isn't it? As much as those guys are good, you know, my man's coming up, my man's competing against Jermaine Defoe, Robbie Keane in his team only. The formation is playing now though. 4 4 2. Berber. 4 4 fucking 2. Classic. Was, was Berber <laughs> like that at United as well, Rio? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, he won't, he'd, be, he'd celebrate an assist more than a goal. He was mad. I used to think he was nuts. I used to go, Berber, man, just score goals, bruv. Just that's what you need to do. You can do it. But he, he just loved the, game, the beautiful game. He was like an artist. He just wanted artistic moments in games that he would look back on more than probably scoring as happened. Why did you end up leaving Spurs? Just me, me and Harry had a bit of a falling out. Um, and I, I knew that he, even though I was top goal scorer that second season, he wanted to bring Crouchy in to play Defoe and Crouchy because I think he had them at Portsmouth, Yeah, I think. So he wanted to bring them back in. And listen, I'd, I'd had enough. Like me and Harry, even though he was playing me, we were just butting heads all the time. So I just said, you know what, it's, it's time for me to go. I knew that he wanted me to pass. Sorry, to move on. sorry, Darren, just to make sure that we, these are the stories we ask for. And it's not about putting dirty, dirty laundry out there. It's for us to understand. If you're a striker and you're butting heads with Harry Redknapp, mm. what is it about? Just about minutes. And even, it was almost like, even if I, I scored, it, obviously, of course, he's happy. But it, it wasn't like he was... Like I, I could just, you get a sense of when someone wants you there and when they don't. And yeah, of course, while I was there scoring goals, it was fine. But I always felt he was looking for other options. Do you know what I mean? All his other options. Like he was always linked in the paper that they wanted to get Crouchy, which I understood. But then I had, to be fair to him, Harry, I had a conversation with him at the end of the season. Um, and I said, listen, Steve Bruce just phoned me up and said, listen, he wants me to go. Obviously, you've said that you want me to go. He was like, yeah, I think, listen, Ben, like, it's not, nothing against you. If you want to stay here, you're going to get some minutes, but I can't guarantee you're going to play. Mm. Um, I want to bring Crouchy in. Uh, Defoe's here as well. And fair to, to be fair play to him, he, he was quite honest with me. Mm. And I didn't want to be a bit part player. I wanted to go and, I've just been top goal scorer at Spurs. I wanted to go on, score more goals and be someone's number nine. So that's how it ended mm. up me leaving. Was he saying Crouch is going to be terrific for him? <laughs> was he saying what? Was he saying Crouch is going to be a terrific for him? Is that what he put in? He's terrific. Uh... Benty, it's mad, yeah, because I, I remember seeing a tweet or a message you got put out there. Um, and you can put this up, guys. Do I want to go to Hull City? No. Do I want to go to Stoke? No. Do I want to go to Sunderland? Yes. So stop fucking around leaving. Like, <laughs> what pushed you to be putting out messages like that? Do you know what it was, Reese? That So we were going all day... Um, Probably a week before that, we were, we were scheduled to go to Hong Kong. And all day, I'm going, right, there's no point in me getting on the plane. The deal with Sunderland's close. We'll just leave it. But they're going, nope, if the deal's not done, you're going to Hong Kong. And Sunderland then saying, if he go, gets on the plane and goes to Hong Kong, deal's off. So I'm kind of caught at the minute. So I'm getting more and more frustrated. So then we get to the airport. Still, I'm like going to Harry. Harry, why am I even going? And Harry's saying to me, I don't know. 
which is annoying me because I know Harry knows exactly what's going on, but he's like, you know what Harry's like? I don't know what's going on, Dow, it's not me. It's, it's Levy. <laughs> Dow, it's not me, it's Levy. So I'm like, okay, well, fair enough. So then I get on the plane now and the boys are winding me up, which is making me even, even more angry because I've got JJ's winding me up. Tom Huddleston. What are they saying? They're going, you're going to Hong Kong. Because remember, someone's going to say, if I go to Hong Kong, deal's done. <laughs> so they shut the door. I'm going, that's it. Anyway, about 10 seconds later, I'm obviously putting my silver on now, fuming. I can't remember the chief executive name. He went to United. He comes and taps me on the shoulder. Hi, Darren. Um, the deal's done with Sunderland now. You can get off. Remember, they've shut the door now. No way. I said, all right, fair enough. But I'm happy, so I'm getting my belt off. Yeah. They were like, oh, do you mind if we um, if we send your bags? Let no, 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 no. I want my bags now. I've been now, yeah. I want my bags now. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, my house keys are in my bag now. So oh. that, that, I made the plane wait. They got my bag off. But what made me send that, that tweet <laughs> was that I didn't sign for Sunderland until they got back because they, they were mucking around. So I sat in my house effectively for 10 days, couldn't train with Sunderland, Spurs were uh, on preseason duty, and I didn't sign until 10 days till they came back. So that's when I was sitting in my front room and I went, you know what, I've had enough of this. And that's when I tweeted. Wow. Really, yeah. you should be thankful that you didn't have Twitter in 2002. Risdale will be getting a pellet. <laughs> <laughs> Real would have went in on Risdale. <laughs> so what is it about Sunderland, man? Like. For some reason, like obviously, when you do well, they mm. really love their yeah. players. You know, what I mean, Kieran Richardson was saying like he's he's like a cult hero over there, man. Look, mm. What is it about it? First of all, it was for me. It was just I, knew, I wanted to get away from London. I spent four years in London. I was like, you know what? I need to get somewhere where I can just fully focus on football. And up there, everything is football. Where you can't walk down the street, go any shop without someone going, oh, what the football? What about your lot on Saturday or something? And at, and at that time, Newcastle were in the Championship. They weren't even in the the Premier League with us. Mm. But it was just, I went up there, I knew Kieran, as you said, I knew Anton. There was a, a fair few of the boys, Andy Reid I played with at Charlton. Again, the, the, a lot of the squad, I knew them. And I was speaking to Kieran, I was like, what is it like? He was like, listen, if you come, you'll love it. It's an unbelievable place to live. People are friendly. You'll be able to play your best stuff. And the moment I got up there, I absolutely loved it. Absolutely mm -hmm. loved it. I mean, the, the boys were, were brilliant with me. Like we, I lived next to Kieran, who lived next to Anton, all in the, the same flats. Mm -hmm. We did everything as a team. It's the best team I've ever played in, in terms of, team spirit we'd always go out all the time together oh, there would okay. be six or seven of us we'd go for food or go out for a drink or wh whatever it was we was always together and yeah I absolutely loved it everything up there just worked for me what was the gaff in Sunderland the Saturday night gaff oh as in a night out well Tuesday nights was a Monday night was was Tiger well, Tiger Tuesdays and, Tuesday Tuesdays was and Mondays Hughes. Thursday, what's going on Thursdays was uh, what was Thursdays Top Top Palace and Keep Saturday was Top Top Palace as well <laughs> Yeah, so it was a, it was a, honestly, it was a mad one. But just to carry on that theme, Benny, carry on that theme, yeah. Where, where was your best pre uh, summer holidays when you used to go away? You used to let your hair down and go on a mad one. Where was the best place? Oh, uh, Los Angeles. I used to go, I used to go to LA for six weeks every single time I, the season finished because I used to be, like, I used to do a lot of work with the NBA. Yeah. So I'd go over there to get me tickets for the Lakers yeah. and fly me to San Antonio to watch the playoffs and all this kind of stuff. So, so you're seeing Kobe and Shaq. Yeah, yeah, I was there for that one. Uh, meeting loads of different people. I mean, it was crazy times, but LA was my, my place. My auntie still lives there. I've got family that live over there as well. So that was the spot, man. And, and you, you uh, go under the radar a bit. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that, because you get up to whatever you wanted to get up to and it'll be on there. But you know what is funny? Is that I remember going there. There's such a story yeah, right there. there. It's, it's <laughs> there. I can that, smell that, it. That. It's there. That's funny. It's that. right there. <laughs> I, well, I remember one summer going there um, and Cristiano was over there and it was almost like we just had to go to the spots that he weren't because 
he was bringing so much heat to the, to the nightclubs that he was at. So was this the pink short summer? I think it might have been, yeah. I think it was the, the <laughs> I think he the league to Paris Hilton and all that. But you know, that's a very different story. But I remember wherever club he was at, don't go there. Because you, you stand outside, the amount of photographers that are outside, you go now. Nah. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll go somewhere else. He was at all the hot spots. He was just there taking up all the, everyone's fun. Put it that way. Oh man. So. Everyone's fun. <laughs> so uh, any mem <laughs> what's your most memorable should I say three moments at Sunderland um, the two against Tottenham was nice because yeah nice because <laughs> do you kiss the badge do you run up to the manager Harry or, or do you go to their fans well, do you know when I scored the, the, the two what makes it worse I, I missed the penalty down there at White Lane their fans were giving me pelters so I was like alright so the morning the morning of the game at the stadium of light, I was so pumped up. Again, anger, just pure angry, thinking about everything that happened to me the last, the season before that. <laughs> and then I remember waking up and then Sunderland have changed it now. They put their fans up the top, but back when I was there, all the away fans would sit behind the goal um, to one of the ends, I can't remember what the, the end of the stand is. And I scored both the goals that end. Ooh. And I scored the first one after about 40 seconds. Ooh. Oh my goodness, I went absolutely ballistic. Bottle come out the crowd, it hit me in the head. <laughs> Didn't care, did not care one bit. Like it, it was the, it's one of them where every emotion come out in that 10 seconds of a celebration. All the kind of, it's like I remembered every single comment that someone had said, every comment that Harry had come out with, everything that was written, all of that comes out in that one celebration. There hasn't been a player since Darren Bent who scored 24 or more goals in a season, in a Premier League season, uh, in a team that's finished seventh or lower in the league since your Sunderland days. Mm -hmm. uh, probably since Kevin Phillips actually, who scored. 30 goals. Yeah. Uh, are you still received well there? Do you know what? I'm not for a couple of reasons. One, A, because I left to go to Villa. Mm -hmm. And the second one is that I went back there with, at the end with Burton and I scored a goal and they went down to League One. Oh. And I weren't, and I weren't going to celebrate. But the only reason I celebrated was because I was warming up. I was getting stick when I got off the coach, stick when I was warming up on the sidelines, stick up before the game, stick, do you know what I mean? I was just getting nonstop. So by the time again, I went on, I was like, all right, fair enough. Because like, I'd, I'd always said to myself, if I ever score against them, I won't celebrate because I had great times there. But then obviously I scored and they were things I went, I scored, celebrated and they went down. Uh, you're ruthless, man. Yeah, so from you're, that, you're... it's... Uh... <laughs> was you getting it on um, social media? Was you paying any attention to it on social media or was it all the stuff that was in person? The social media side of it happened more when I went to Villa. Like I was, I was obviously I could see it. Twitter was obviously a big thing then. It was just bang, bang, bang. Like, hundreds of hundreds of hundreds so I, I came off social media i think for about five six years man like affected me that much it? yeah it affected me that much I, I left it behind uh but it wasn't even just me it was like family members that were getting it it was anything anyone connected with me were getting it so i came away from it but it was more that 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 day was more in person getting a stick was in person i said that from the stands well, what, the what type of stuff was you getting Ben? if you to feel that bad like for your mental health to be affected so much and that you had to come off for, for so many years what type of stuff would you have got and around what situation? It was stuff like, I mean, of, of course, you get you get your standard racism, which is just... It, it, that, and it wanked that out, you go, you get your standard racism. But, you know, so that's already there, don't you, worry about exactly, that. Exactly, but then you get the, the, the death threats, the, the when we see you, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And even though, I'm, listen, I've quite got thick skin, it doesn't really bother me, but seeing that, but then them sending these type of bits to my mum's cousins, friends, like, I always say to myself, I'll be all right. But it's them. Do you know what I mean? I worry about like my mom. My mom don't want to see that. My mm -hmm. dad don't want to read all this, all this nonsense. Do you know what I mean? So that's where I said, you know what? Let me just come away from it and 
and, and leave it alone for a little bit. Man. Real, would you, if you was looking after players now, and obviously you do look after some players now, you was obviously being an, an early adopter on social media. Would you still have the same attitude now with the way social media is? Or would you say maybe get someone else to manage it? I think I think getting someone else to manage it, because I think social media, you're not protected on there by the, the, the social media platforms now. There are a lot of people that Twitter, Instagram, etc., are involved in. Those ones don't protect you. There aren't anything put in place that, that kind of, they have the tech that can protect you, but they won't do it because all of this racism, discrimination and conspiracy theories, etc., they generate, they drive engagement and they drive money so they're not going to stop it so it's, it's difficult for the players my advice to any young player now is if you have the resources to be able to get someone else to do it for you i'll do it or come off mm. you know, but it's, it's almost like the same space now that i'm in now working at talksport because yeah. social media is massive now so it's, it's probably the biggest thing that you again you say something that people don't agree with you got to get you get the stick now I'll, in I'll, that talk sports game though do you know what it is? I think part of it is, but still, I, I could say, talk about United and, and Arsenal, for instance, and it might not even be anything big, but people just, all of a sudden, they want to turn it to, like an argument, something bigger than what it is, do you know what I mean? So, this is something, as I said, I've had to, back then was difficult, because it was the first time it happened to me, getting that type of stick, whereas now you just, you kind of learn to live with it, mm. and kind of, kind of learn to kind of filter it a little bit. I mean, social media is so much, you could literally say United and Arsenal play in the same colour, and be like, no we don't. Yeah. Yeah, just just to switch it, I just want to switch it back up, right? Just it's quite important. Uh, this question is: it, You're a striker. You played for a lot of teams outside the top six, five or six teams. You played for Spurs, who were a top six team. Um, as a striker, do you think it's harder to score? Because you hear this a lot. Oh, if I played for a, for, for a Man City or Liverpool or Man United, etc., I'd score loads of goals. Is it easier to score goals in a team like that, the best teams? Or do you think it's easier to score goals in a team where you probably aren't looked at as massive, massive threats, but so you can go under the radar and nick a few more goals? Um, that's a good question. I think, obviously, if you bet, I think if you play with better players, you, you might get more opportunities. But I always like the fact that when I played, say, for Sunderland or, Sun or Charlton, we have to work incredibly hard that we we might only get one or two chances. Now, if anything, that kind of helped my focus because I think, well, being at a club like Charlton, we don't create, we're not, we haven't got the luxury of midfield players where we're creating six, seven, eight, nine chances a game. We might get two if we're lucky. So I know I have to be on it that if one comes to me, I better take it or we're not gonna we're not gonna win or we're not gonna get a point out of this game. So it's it's a difficult one because you play better players. All these players are going to want to shine, want to get their piece. It, it might not be as easy. So, I've heard that argument before, and people have asked me that question. And I just think if you could score goals in a lesser team, you could score goals in any team. And I think if you could score goals in the Championship, I think you can score goals in the Premier League because if you're a goal scorer, like the goals don't change, the the, the dimensions of the pitch don't change. You, you know exactly what you're doing. You know what movements you've got to make. It just comes down to whether you could finish or not. So I think if you can score goals in at Manchester United, you can score goals at Charlton for sure. You don't get the, there's no difference. I don't think in the pace of the game in the Championships no. in the Premier League. I think it's as chaotic and it'll be as chaotic in both boxes. Yeah, I think you've seen so many players come to the Premier League and just do exactly what they've been doing. Like Ivan Tony as well. Like people was like, yeah. wait till he does it in the Prem. Mitrovic, wait till he does it in the Prem. He's just mm. there. You go. He's doing it. Mm. It's the same. It's true and same opposite. If you're not scoring at Burnley, 
you're not scoring at United, like, workhorse. <laughs> no, I completely agree. I'm with you, I'm with you. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, listen, uh, for, for every, for every, I don't know, for every Ivan Tony or Mitrovic, there's a Puki. Do you know what I mean? Who hasn't converted from championship, smashing a championship to the Premier League. He did all right his first season, though. I think he got 13, 14 goals, I think. So he did all right, but second season was a disaster. So let's talk about Villa. Mm. You're, you're telling us that you're going out with Sunderland and the boys, you're having a great time. I don't understand, brother. Is it a money thing? What's going on? No, nah, a lot, and a lot of people said that. You know, a lot of people said that. But I could see when I left Sunderland at the time. I think we were sixth, and I looked at Villa's team when I, because I'll tell you how it come about, right? So I'm sitting playing Call of Duty, shock, yeah. in, my, <laughs> in my in my house, and my phone rings, and it's my agent. He's like, Aiden, you're out. I'm like, yeah, I'm all good. He's like, oh, um, just got off the phone. Uh, Villa want to bring you in because at the time they're struggling. Gerald Hulley has called me and said, listen, I want to bring Darren in. Is this in the January window? This is in the January window. So there, there's been no speculation whatsoever before. I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, what are your thoughts on that? I went, all right, let me look at their team. And we played them a, a couple of weeks earlier and we beat them 1-0 at their place at Villa Park. But they had people like Ashley Young was there. Um, Petrov was there. Stuart Downing was there. Like the, Their squad was good. good. And I thought, they're clearly underachieving. That's the problem. Gabriel Bonner was there. They're underachieving. So when uh, it's it like I'll consider, um, well, wh wh how far are they? What, what's, wait, 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 don't lie. Because prior to all of that, they must have said, this is what they want to pay. No, nothing. Seriously. Uh, so honestly. what could make you go from looking at where you are and you're saying, oh, right, you're doing yeah. well at Sunderland, but you're actually considering a yeah. move and they ain't giving you the money no, so or I've, the price? No, I just thought, okay, let me... Have you paused the game or is this one of <laughs> No, no, it's, it's, it's one of them. The phone's under my, the phone, the phone's under my shoulder. <laughs> it's under my shoulder. I'm holding the, uh, the control pad like that. Yeah. <laughs> I watch. And he goes, well, I goes, well, listen, just let me know. Keep me in, up to date and let me know what's going on. Is that all right? So he calls me back about 20 minutes later. He was like, um, Sunderland said they're prepared to sell you. So that's what kind of what changed my mind because if Sunderland had gone straight away, no, we're not selling him, I was perfectly happy. But they started entertaining it. So they went, oh, well, if, if, if Aston Villa gave us 24 million, then yeah, we'll sell him. So I went, okay, well, clearly I'm not that valuable to them then. So that's what made, that's what made me, me change because I'm thinking, I've just scored all these goals for you. Just come off the back, I think we, we just come off the back of a 2-2 against Liverpool, I got both mm. at Anfield. Mm. And I'm like, but they're willing to accept 24 million. I went, all right. But then I also laughed in another breath. I went, I went Villa are never paying this. So mm. it's, it's a non-starter. So I said, all right, I'll speak to you tomorrow. I'll carry on playing my game. Hour later now, about, it's about half 10 at night. My phone rings again. I'm like, what? Yo, he's like, you're never going to guess this, but Aston Villa prepared to pay the 24 million. Jeez. So in that very, mo that, that very moment, it got real. I went, oh, I've got a decision to make here. We've got Newcastle on the Sunday Possibly. in the derby. <laughs> In the dark, so I'm thinking, oh, we've got a decision to make here. Is this out in the papers yet, or is it? No, not this is all, all behind the scenes. Okay. So I went, oh, all right, let me have a think about it. And then the next day, I got to training, thought about it for the next few days, had a conversation with my dad, uh, my mum, agent, and I said, you know what, all right, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, right? Because behind the scenes, Sunderland and, and Villa had been talking, talking, talking about this little bit here, little bit there, add-ons there. So I'm thinking, were well, they prepared to let me go, clearly? So... Got to, got to the game on the Sunday, we played Newcastle, we draw one all. Now I'm scheduled to drive to Birmingham on the Monday morning yeah. to sign and stuff. And Steve Bruce, again, which I feel bad for, had no idea what was going on, right? No way. But where he started to go, what's going on here? Is that after the game, you'd never see Niall Quinn, you'd never see Ellis Short, I think was the, the owner at the time. So I've come in off the game now, I'm getting changed. They both come down into the dressing room with two shirts. 
just want to say thank you. Can you just sign this for me, right? So I'm signing it thinking, why have you done why have you done this here? I'm looking at Steve I'm, Bruce. Yeah, I'm doing this, like my head down, like I clock my eyes up like that. I see Steve Bruce looking again. What's going on here then? Like, what's, oh. going, what's going on here then? Ooh. So they left and went upstairs. And did, then you, I see, did you feel hot, yeah? A little bit, yeah. Hot. Like, so I, I see Steve Bruce going back out after them. I quickly got my gear on. I ran up the stairs to, to the, the family room. I said, Dad, we got to go. <laughs> so said, we got we got to go. We got to get out of here. Start the car. <laughs> I said we got to go now. Anyway, but do you not want to speak to him and tell him? No, because I, I, what can I say? I, I felt bad I, because you say Dad's selling me, so I'm going. I know, I know. When I think about now, you're probably right. Anyway, as we're walking out now, I get a tap on my shoulder. It's it's Cleggy, um, who's off like a fitness coach. He's like, oh, Bentley, Steve Bruce wants to see you downstairs. I said, Dad. I said, you're probably best off going back to my house and I'll, I'll see you later on because I'm going to be here for a while. I go back downstairs to the, there's a warm-up room behind the changing room. Mm -hmm. I walk in there and he's pacing up and down. His face is like red, like mist red. I'm like, oh. he's like, what's going, on? what's going on here then? I went, uh, well, boss, I think that I'm going to Villa. He went, what are you going there for? Like the players that are playing there don't even like being there. They don't like <laughs> Gerard Houllier. It's a crap club. It's, honestly, he went off. He's not giving me all these reasons why I should stay. He was like, listen, take two days off, take a week off, take however long you need off. Just don't make a decision until you speak to me first. I was like, all right, all right, all right. And then obviously I made my mind up. I spoke to him. I said, listen, boss, I'm going to go. And I went down there and signed for Aston Villa. Oh, man. Mad. That is crazy. Mm. And, and your time there? What yeah, would you, like, what would you? I, I, the first year and a half, I loved it, and then I had a big injury, um, which ruled me out of the Euros. I think in 2012, because that was the point I'd got into the team with Capello. I was playing every game, I was scoring every game I was playing in, and then I got the injury to my ankle, missed the rest of the season, missed the 2012 Euros, and then Paul Lambert came in and it all changed. But then they pulled the purse strings. He, he made us train on our own. He wanted to get the high earners off the wage bill, and from that, just spiraled out control and went downhill from there. Speeding on, Derby County mm. again. How'd you end up there? Steve McLaren, I knew, I knew Steve from England, set up. Mm -hmm. um, and I just wanted to play. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I'd, I'd still contracted the Villa and he just said to me that Paul Lambert was being really difficult. He said, I'm not sending you any other team. And I'm, I'm not one of these players, to be fair, that wanted to just sit there, even if it was the Premier League and just sit there and collect, collect the money and not play, train mm -hmm. a week and not play. He said, I'll send you to Derby um, during the championship. And I went, okay. That's fair enough. Mm -hmm. like, I weren't going to let him just kind of dictate to me what you're not going to play. Mm -hmm. So I went, went down there with Steve McLaren and ended up staying there for three and a half years. Wow. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah, three and a half years. Really enjoyed my time there. Um, but it was it was different. It was almost just like always trying to get back to the Premier League, always trying to get back to the Premier League, scoring goals, trying to get back to the Premier League. But we had a couple of playoff opportunities where we let ourselves down and yeah, it didn't happen. Benny, how have you, you've obviously retired, right? Then mm -hmm. you played at Burton after that for a, little, for a bit. But how, how did you adapt to retirement because some players find it hard. They That routine goes. You obviously mm. look like you're doing well with this stuff on TalkSport and your own YouTube channel now. How have you found retirement? Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it because to be fair to, to TalkSport, um, they kind of offered me a role um, whilst I was still playing. So I was going there doing shows, doing work with Sky, doing work with PLP. Um, and TalkSport kind of said to me, listen, if you announce your retirement on our show, one of our platforms, then we'll, we'll look to get you in full time and then sp speed up two or three years down the line. Obviously I'm doing drive now, which was obviously hadn't changed for 20 years. So it was almost like they kind of believed in me, put the platform in place for me to go and thrive somewhere. And I've been there ever since. So it's, it's, it worked out well for me. Whereas I know there's other players out there that it hasn't worked for. 
But for myself personally, I've been one of the lucky ones. You worked hard though. You were very similar to Rio. Like obviously Rio was putting in a lot of work for five. Um, you know, you guys, the, the archive is deep, bruv. We will be resharing this content in the summer. Trust <laughs> me. But I see you because I, I, I would go into talk sports sometimes and... Mm. When there were mistakes, you would go back, you would learn, you mm. would, you, it weren't handed to you on a plate because you were an ex-player. You worked really hard for it. No, and I think that's the thing as well about certainly players now getting into the media is that every single year, um, more and more players are re retiring. So mm. you've got you've got to be bringing something different. You've got to have, a, have an opinion. You've got to talk sense. You can't just say stuff for the sake of saying it because people will see through that after a while. Mm. Um, so you're right, you've got to learn your craft because you can't take anything for granted because... Like I'm in an industry where they're always looking for the next new. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, I'm there now, of course, but someone else could retire. Vardy could retire at the end of the season. I've mm. mentioned him a lot. And he might say, do you know what? I want to do drive every day now at TalkSport. They might just all of a sudden go, mm. well, we've got to find a place for him. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's it's one of them. You've got, always got to try and stay on top of it because you never know when it's going to end. And Dude. this is why he is doing the reboot on five as well, spreading himself <laughs> exactly. out his expertise. <laughs> exactly. Glad to have you on board. Did that structure help by having a daily show? Yeah, it does, because I started off with one show and then it went to two, then to three, then to four. But yeah, having that structure again now, it's a lot better because when you're kind of there just twiddling your thumbs, what do I do today? Like, I hate that. I hate just sitting around doing absolutely nothing. I'm always trying to do something. So now that it's five days a week, sometimes six, because I do a lot of Premier League stuff on the weekend, that helps. Help structure my life. I was chatting to an ex-pro this weekend and he was like, I just drank for about three years because and he's like, go put me on. Just, yeah. had nothing, no, no, got loads of cash and I got no idea what I want to do. See, and that, and that, I think that's the problem. <laughs> like you, you can have all the money in the world, but if you've got no structure, it's a killer. It's an absolute killer. Especially when you've, you've gone from having structure every single day, it's a killer. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Friend of the channel now. Right. Come on anytime you want, man. Lovely to see you. We've got to hook up, man. We'll do, man. You yeah, are, don't, don't forget, you're going in his show, mate, for 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 ki for his kicks and stuff, and you know what I mean. Go on. One condition. I need. I need. I need a pair of exclusive, bruv. Uh, when I walk in the door, give me a little. A, 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 a box. Ah. What, 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 what size are you? Size eleven. Oh my goodness, really? Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll fight <laughs> something. I'll fight something for you. Don't worry. I'll fight something for you. Thanks again. I'll see you on your show. Nice one, mum. Darren, thank you very much for coming on Viable Five as a special guest. Uh, those stories had us all rolling. Honestly, <laughs> Rio was only supposed to be here for like 10, 15 minutes. He stayed the whole <laughs> way through. But yeah, no, it was really, really good. And you've had an incredible career. And sometimes we forget the players you've played with and how incredible it's been. And also how good you're doing in the broadcasting world. And, you know, your channel's doing well. Guys, please make sure you check the link in the description for Darren Bench's channel. Uh, and you're going to be seeing him on a show called The Reboot on Five coming soon. Peace. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.